0: Uh, so between spy balloons and U.S. investments, all this craziness, China continues to play a major role in our international news. Uh, here to make some sense of it all is finance expert Emmanuel Daniel. He is the author of The Great Transition, The Personalization of Finances Here. Uh, Emmanuel, thanks for joining us this morning.
1: Thank you for having me on your show, Rob.
0: So let's start with this. Uh, I've been hearing some people and seeing some reports that China's economy is, is actually weakening. I, is that true?
1: Uh, it is true. Um, you know, it, it's been shut down for at least, you know, nearly three years now. And uh, it's sort of trying to get its act together and climb out of a hole. Um, you know, but they've got some, you know, plans in place. Uh, let's see how they play it out. Uh, but the most important thing they're trying to do is to. Get uh, domestic com- consumption going. So to get Chinese people to spend more, but uh, to do that, they need to extend credit. Um, you know, the banks need to lend more to consumers. Uh, the government has to create more social safeguards like uh, social insurance, uh, stuff like that. So they're building it, and you know, they they have a fair chance of uh, uh, you know getting out of the hole somewhat. But there's the other part of the story, which is China's trade with the rest of the world. Uh, And it also depends on, you know, how much the rest of the world buys from China. And of all the countries in the world, the U.S. continues to be China's most important trading partner. You know, what's interesting is that uh, last year, uh, the the, the Commerce Department, the Trade Department's uh, data showed that uh, despite all the, you know, the noise that we've been hearing about, um, you know, U.S.-China tensions, uh, trade between China and the U.S. uh, went up a bit. 6% Six percent or more. So, not you know. So there's some there's something happening on that front. Uh, real life goes on uh, despite what you read in the newspapers.
0: Yeah, that, you bring up a good point. You know, all this, all the headlines of you know the the what's going between U.S. and China, and then behind the scenes, like, oh yeah, uh, trades are still happening. We're still we're still working with China.
1: We're uh, still buying from each other. You know, right? <laughs> that, that's what's going on. Yeah. You know? So now, then I, what I try to do is try to figure out what exactly uh you know, people from both sides buying out of each other. China continues to buy uh, U.S., uh, uh, you know, agriculture. Um, you know, China still continues to be the world's uh, cheapest manufacturer of goods, uh, you know, of all kinds. Uh, you know, where the, the tensions are is on the high-tech side. So, you know, let's see how that plays out. Now, some have
0: come under fire for uh, uh, allowing China to, to gain this Stronghold in the in the U.S. economy. I want to get your thoughts on this. Are are they rightfully so for for coming under fire for allowing China to have such a, a, a major
1: hold on on the U.S. economy? You know, the thing is that to some extent, that's true. But there's always two sides to the story. Uh, China itself was coming into its own, coming into becoming a mature country. Uh, just about the time it joined the WTO in uh, the year 2000. Uh, and, it, and it had got its act together after the Cultural Revolution, you know, like 20 years before that, China was a hopeless, uh, uh, you know, frightening sort of uh, economy and, uh, and the, the political system was that way. So the Chinese uh, leadership sort of got its act together, spent two, 20 years, um, you know, creating literacy and all that. Uh, and the U.S. at the same time Ah uh, was trying. U.S. corporations were trying to export uh, their labor costs, and so they went out to the rest of the world—China, to India—said, "You know, we can get the same stuff done cheaper, uh, faster in, in all of these places, and sell it back into the U.S." So, in in some ways, the U.S. corporations are just as guilty as, um, as you know, as anyone else in in the story that has evolved so far, you know. So, but but uh, you know, I think both countries uh, benefited from that relationship. Uh, It made China wealthier, uh, you know, but it's on the back of uh, U.S. demand, uh, you know. So so the big question is, um, can the U.S. recreate the ability to uh, manufacture its own uh, goods and services if it wants to, um, you know. Uh, And of course, today, China has the confidence with which it's asserting itself uh, in a way that is making a lot of different countries nervous. So, um, you know, so I think that those are the messages that both sides have
0: to work out. Got a couple minutes left. Again, we're talking with finance expert Emmanuel Daniel. He is the author of the book, The Great Transition, The Personalization of Finance is here. Uh, Emmanuel, what are some of the other big takeaways uh, from from your book? What, what are some of the big points that you're wanting uh, people to know about?
1: Actually, one conversation I wanted to have with you was, you know, this thing in China that's called social credit where, you know, just by the way you live your daily life, uh, where you buy your train tickets or your uh, plane tickets, uh, go out to a concert, uh, the way you spend money creates a profile about you. Um, You know, and in the rest of the world, um, this thing called social credit sounds a little scary. It's like the state sort of knows who you are and how you spend and whether you're credit worthy. But, you know something, uh, because of digitization, uh, that social credit phenomenon is uh, creeping into the U.S. system, too, uh, except that it's not coming in from the state, but uh, to large businesses that have a profile uh, of how consumers uh, spend and what they spend on, uh, you know, right down to what hour of the day you go shopping. Uh, you know, uh, platforms like Amazon or your local, uh, you know, uh, phone state, the phone companies uh, get that data just by um, tracking how you use your phone every day. Um, you know, and and then uh, it's the new age lending companies. You know, companies like uh, Lending Club and Kiva, the the the, the, the uh, social credit, the uh, crowdfunding platform. Uh, they use that data instead of your FICO score. So, so the message there is that you know, don't just look at your FICO score. Uh, look at how you're living your life daily. Uh, Someone is tracking you, and your credit worthiness probably depends on that as much as. Uh, whether you paid your credit but credit card bills on time
0: is there anything you can do to avoid this or is that just that's just how it works now that's how technology works that's the world we live in
1: well there's only two ways to that one is to uh, you know make sure that you're creating great social uh, social credit score by uh, by making sure you pay your bills on time um, you know and and preferring things that are of value so that uh, they can track you know the kind of uh, places to shop in and stuff like that and the other is really to check out completely that that it's not to have uh, a mobile phone in the first place uh, you know or, or to register your credit card on your mobile phone so that they can track uh, what you're doing so I mean that's just those two ways but the the, the, the you know the positive way which is to uh, since we're all going to be on the internet and we're all going to be digitally visible uh, we just make sure that we, we behave well I mean that's uh, that's the best defense
0: you can have. I love that. Expert advice from Emmanuel Daniel, finance, uh, financial expert and the author of The Great Transition. Emmanuel, thanks so much for uh, spending some time with us this morning. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. That's Emanuel Daniel here on the WPTF Morning Show.